0: we're back. I'm uh visiting with Ken Berry, former All-Star and uh manager and coach in baseball. Uh Kenny, before the break we were talking about uh the possibility of you making a few comments on uh the book that I wrote. I know after you wrote it you called me and and you said, "Hey, Brick, this is the Bandit." <laughs> and and I thought, oh, it's got to be that guy that steals all his dago on home runs. I, I know who that is. So he said, this is a bandit. And then you started talking about a few of the things in the book. So I'm, you might share with us a little bit of your opinion on that. And then I'd like to get into, uh, you're an author yourself, and talk about the books that you've written.
1: Well, the first thing I did when I read your book, I got in on uh, page one or two, and and uh, you talked about how uh, your family was not uh, real well off financially mm-hmm. and that uh, you, either you or your brother, I think it was you, had a tie tack, but you didn't have a tie.
0: Your brother, <laughs> was your, a Christmas your brother present. had a
1: money, money clip and he didn't have any money.
0: <laughs> that was <laughs> that our was Christmas a, present one year. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> and I uh, it reminded me of uh, you know my dad and, and mom. My dad worked for the state and uh, he, I think his salary was like $300 a month, and uh, his house payment was $30 a month. We had a little house that right now, I'm in a a new neighborhood in Topeka. It's really nice. I got a $2 million house across from me and, and south of me, and I'm the smallest house on the block. I think it was if Slattery was, was around, he'd say it was a smart move on my part against right. a smaller house.
0: That's right. But
1: this little house is only six blocks from where I grew up. Wow. So uh, it was a 30 by 30, 900 square foot uh, house. And, you know, we just, you, you made do with what you had. And uh, I, I appreciated the fact that, uh, you know, you're you started out very competitive when you're growing up. I did the same thing. The first game I ever played was right across the street. I could, I could hit a baseball from here. If I had two swings, I could hit it right where we played. It's where the Discovery Center is. And the first game I played, you know, and, and you you're talk about competitive, okay? This is, this is going to describe how competitive is to me. I'm pitching. They had these little short benches that you sat on, wood bench. So pop up goes over to the right first base side. I run off the mound, dive, catch the ball and cut my chin open and they take me to the emergency room, stitch me up, bring me back and I pitch the last inning. <laughs> so well, you know, what's the big deal? Just a little <laughs> got to just wipe that blood off and go get them. That's <laughs> it. That's so, it. So uh, you know, that's that's kind of the old school mentality where Uh, And a lot of the things that I saw in your book had to do with hard work paying off, starting with a great foundation, and then that'll hold your house up strong and straight, Mm -hmm. whatever your house consists of. And the fact that, you know, everything's not going to be uh, hunky-dory all the time. There'll be a lot of, you know, and this is the one thing that, that I don't think there are a lot of people that are able to do it. But if you're in sports... And you grow up in sports, girl, boy, I don't care, and you stay with it, you understand what it takes to become a better person. Mm -hmm. You know, not only interacting with other people and making good friends and uh, competing, but yet respecting the other team, you know, for what they did. You know, there's there's situations like right now my little granddaughter and she's not that little she's five six eighth grader uh, they have a team in kansas city that you would not believe they've got two girls one six one one six foot another one five ten a couple other ones that can play and two point guards they're beating teams 59 to six mm-hmm. and and these girls i went down to watch them the first time And this one girl got a rebound. She's left-handed. She took off. She dribbled off toward the the basket, um, away from the basket, took two dribbles, saw her buddy on the way down, and off the dribble threw a baseball pass right on the money who caught it and laid it in. And I'm going, they don't do this in high school. Yeah, and yeah. and watching them was so much fun that uh, and the the nice thing and I told the coach I only got to talk with him one time. We were leaving between games. He wasn't doing the JV game, and he was just having to be standing within five feet of me. And I kind of leaned over and said, "Hey, you're doing a great job of coaching. I like what you're doing with the girls. Are passing the ball and and nobody's being selfish and everything." He says. I wouldn't have to really do much coaching with this team. I said, mm-hmm. yeah, but you're, you're doing a great job getting them. And they don't even think twice about throwing the ball to the other person. So, Yeah, you know.
0: yeah. that unselfishness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I found, uh, you know, perseverance and resilience. If you've got that, uh, you can do about just anything you want to do. And that's exactly. some lessons I learned that in high school. I had some things in the book about – uh, different things that I learned in high school and, and our, our principal at the time, he was a little priest, tiny little guy with a big voice and he was tough, but he always talked about resilience. Yeah. Kind of drilled that into our heads and then you have to be resilient. And if you are, you're always going to make the best of a situation. so Well, I think
1: one of the things that, that hit me and, and I, I saw it through your book too a couple of times is, is being able to adjust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, When I played football at Rural, we were our, we had two guys on the line that weighed 119 pounds. Okay. So that's, that's not really good. So our coach, we did the trick plays. We did the one that I talked about. We had another one that we, all we did was run Mm -hmm. three single wing plays to set up a pass. And everything we did was a little bit of either a pass or tricky. Mm -hmm. And we, like I said, had a pretty good year. Well, then I've got Bryce Stallard, who's the basketball coach, and he saw that we didn't have much talent. And, you know, I, you're right. I shot in high school. I shot a lot. But, you know, I, I'd give it up too. But we had Ron Paradis, yeah. who went to K-State and was a, yeah. a really good shooter. Yeah. And we had – and Delby Lewis was a point guard for KU. Yeah. They, were both, they were both freshmen.
0: Oh wow! If they'd
1: been sophomores or juniors, then I would have been blessed with having a team that that yeah. possibly go to the state tournament. Well, after they got rid of me, then they won the state tournament. So <laughs> you know, obviously, I was uh, I was a drawback. But uh-huh. this coach, he saw that we are limited. So what he did right before we started a tournament is he went into a a stall against uh, Osage City, Gary Marriott went to Osage city he was six five we didn't have anybody we played against so it was six five especially guys that could go out and shoot from 18 feet on in mm-hmm. he averaged over 30 points a game and we'd always get beat by 15. so he gets us out of class when school's over he said take your shoes off go stand out there you go here you go here go here so i'm standing on the point got two guys on the wing two guys on the baseline And he said, now this is what we're gonna do. We get the ball, Kenny. You're gonna hold it until the quarter's over, and then you're gonna shoot it. And and if (laughs) if somebody comes out after you, throw it to one of the other guys, and then you guys give it right back to him. So we did this. The score at halftime was four to two. We were losing. (laughs) The score with 30 seconds to go was eight to seven. We were down by one and had the ball. And of course, I'm sure yours truly threw up a, a bomb and <laughs> missed and Marriott got fouled and we lost 10 to seven. Oh, but, but what I learned from both of those coaches was, Hey, you don't have to keep running into the wall and hurt yeah. your head yeah. and the wall doesn't move. Do something different. Don't be afraid. Yeah. So that, that probably for me, coaching wise, yeah. made more difference in my coaching career than anything. Yeah. And uh, that's where, like, I put Graybeck hitting fourth.
0: Yeah. And
1: if we have time, I have one other little story and I can, I'll be done.
0: Sure. Let's, okay. let's do it.
1: I'm, I'm getting, I get released. I come home, middle of uh, 1975. My buddy, who's got a elevation farms, you may have been by there out off of 47th, just, just west of, uh, of uh, Watermaker Road right by that little schoolhouse on the corner. You go east about a quarter mile. He owned half of that area over there. His kid and my older boy are playing on the baseball team out at the Ken Berry league. So I go back and I go out to, to watch them. And he says, uh, Ken, I want you to take over the team. And Dave Palmer was his name, and he talked real slow. And I said, Dave, I don't – I said, you, you want me to help you coach? I said, I'll be glad to do that, but you're the manager. I don't want to run the team. No, you're going to run the team. Okay, so he left that in my hands. We go through the year. We're in seventh place out of ten teams. We're playing our last game before the tournament. And we had two or three pretty good pitchers, two, two good pitchers, And then after that, it was who knows who's going to be able to throw. And so I told the guys, I said, okay, guys, come here. You guys that are 13, you're going to pitch tonight. And the 14-year-olds all went, you've got to be kidding me. And so I said, no. I said, here's the deal. If we lose, we'll be in seventh place when the game's over. If we win, we're going to finish seventh. So if it's rained out, we're going to finish seventh. And what I'm going to do is rest you older guys for the tournament so you can pitch the first two games. And I'm going to let these guys pitch, and we'll just go out and have a good time and see what happens. So I had one little guy. Everybody's got one of these guys on the team. I call him – I wrote a, actually wrote a book, and, and he's the title, Little Bad John. You know, the, the Jimmy Dean, Big Bad John?
0: Yeah. That's a, little a song.
1: Bit. <laughs> Big Bad John. I
0: remember well, it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Big Bad John said every morning at the mine, you could see him arrive. He stood six foot six, 245. Well, Little Bad John, every day when he arrived at the park, he still stood about five 5'3". And <laughs> <at 90 laughs> his mother was His mother was a scorekeeper and his dad was a highway patrolman. And... He didn't play much. He played right field, you know, where no, there's no man's laying out there. Nothing ever goes out there. <laughs> and he didn't hit very well. And he had a didn't have a very strong arm, but he had a smile on his face all the time. So first guy pitches, we give up six runs, we score three. Next guy pitches, gives up five runs, we score four. Now it's 11-7 going into the, the last inning. I said, John, go get him, man. Give him the ball. He goes out there. He struck out the side. He threw a curveball, and he threw so slow, the other team couldn't wait on it. And so I, the, game, the game's over, and I pulled him aside. We lost, but I pulled him aside. I said, John, where'd you learn to throw that curveball? He said, well, your friend, Jerry. I live, his backyard and my backyard match up. I've been working on the curveball all summer long. I said, well, don't ever tell the coach anything. <laughs> you know, the manager doesn't know. And so, okay, now three days later, the tournament starts. We lose a heartbreaker three to two. We play the next game. We win five to four, five to one, whatever. Now we're going up against the Phillips 66ers who are 18 and 0 the last, the next game. I said, John, you're going to pitch tomorrow. He says, I am? I said, yep. yep. So get your rest. Thinking, (laughs) it won't do him any good, get his rest or not. So he comes out. We beat him. He struck out 11. They couldn't wait on him. I had my best friend, and he's one of my coaches in basketball, come over to me. His wife got in my face, (laughs) two inches from my face. She says, how could you pitch that kid? he didn't throw hard enough to hit and i'm going oh nancy really (laughs) so i just wanted for people that are out there that are listening don't ever ever think that it
0: can't happen because it can (laughs) (laughs) that's a great story
1: one of my favorites
0: oh hey listen i want to i want to talk a little bit about your book I'll hold it up here so people can see okay uh, called comeback it's uh a novel that you wrote, and uh, and you've written some other books. So I, I just want to talk about you being an author, and maybe tell us a little bit about some of your books, and then uh, why you do it. Or uh, I'm sure you do <laughs> it because you enjoy it. But, no, I uh,
1: fell into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what that's what happened. I fell into it. I'm sitting in my office right now. And I have a, uh, this is my wife's computer right over here. And then I have a uh, uh, typewriter about eight feet from me.
0: A typewriter? I've had
1: for about 50 years, a typewriter (laughs) that I still use on occasion because. (laughs) Her computer gets used quite a bit by her yeah. not by me.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I'll I'll use a typewriter, I don't mind. I I was uh, pretty good in typing. That's that's where the competitiveness came in when we used to do our time typing, yeah. you know, and how yep. many words a minute. Well, I was into that. So <laughs> <laughs> and I think my English teacher in school appreciated that I uh, I read a a book about a book a day. I loved reading books. So I'd always have a book and I couldn't diagram a sentence or, or tell you, you know, why you didn't end the sentence with at and things like yeah, this. Yeah. But, but he he really appreciated me reading. And so I got an A in English and I sure didn't deserve it, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, uh, you may have to help me, Joe. All right. I'm, I'm, why, you, why you got into writing? Oh, yeah. So one night. It was probably around eight thirty nine o'clock. I walk in our office and I sat down at the typewriter. I put a piece of paper in. I started typing and I typed Artie the Awesome Apple. And my wife yelled at me from the other room and said, what are you doing in there? I said, well, you got me. I'm not sure because I didn't come in here to write a story, but I, I think I just did. And so... So uh, it, it turned out to be a resurrection theme about an apple. Uh, tallest apple on the tree, beautiful, got red before the other apples because he was the top one, got sun all day long. And the, the people used to stand down there and point at him and say, what a beautiful apple. Well, the apple pickers came and they couldn't reach him. So he was stuck up there. And then now winter comes, he shrivels up. Falls down, dies. He's laying on the ground. The Bibby kids are in their backyard where the tree is. They say, there's that awful apple we've been throwing our football at. Let's go get him. And they stomp him. And his seeds go everywhere. And so the next spring, one of the seeds had gotten down in the crack of the ground. Snow covered him up. When it became spring, the weather heated up. An apple tree came up. So that was, you know, I didn't go in there to write a story, let alone a resurrection theme,
0: That is great. but, but
1: that's what happened. So that now was... my wife looks at the story and she says, this isn't bad. She didn't say it was great or really good, <laughs> but she says, this isn't bad to me. That was like, oh, four stars or maybe five, you know? <laughs> so I, so I wrote Clyde, the clumsy camel, Buster, the, the beaver who wouldn't brush. Art, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Barney the Blue Moose, and three or four others. And, you know, I spent a lot of time going around to people and, and, and businesses and saying, would you like to buy $200 worth of these and then donate them to a charity? And that's what I did for about two years. And people would do that. So, and I kind of, you know, I had several stories in my mind uh, that were fictional. Uh, because my mind is pretty much fictional anyway but i uh <laughs> i had this one story and i haven't done it yet but i i got this idea to do twin snipers because i i was watching fox news and they were talking about all the drugs that were coming across the border well for me if you knew me well enough you'd like you'd know that i like the good guys to win yeah. that's why Clyde the clumsy camel, who's cross-eyed, gets big glasses and he can see again. Buster the beaver doesn't brush, but then Dr. Tony, who's Tony Pleviak, was my dentist across the street. I did, I did a big bear looks just like him, and uh, he he gets uh, the floss and brushes teeth. And so anyway, all my characters seem to have a flaw to a certain degree, but they're able to overcome it. So I've got twin snipers. I got this uh, guy that's a uh, uh, helicopter, he flies Blackhawks uh, uh, for the uh, Marines and he's gone most of the time and he's a a Mexican-American. His uh, family inherited 800 acres right on the Rio Grande. So he's away most of the time. And the drug cartel sees that his farm or his ranch is a good place to cross. So they start coming through. Well, his boys have become snipers. They went in the Marines because he, he brought a, a buddy of his home that was a SEAL and uh, got wounded. He brought him home and uh, he told the boys about his sniper stories. So they decided to go and en- enlist. And in two years time, they had graduated at the top of their, their class. They became snipers. So the three guys are in Afghanistan. The girls are there by themselves on eight hundred acres and the drug cartel starts to come through. So I said, that's gonna to have to stop. So that's how I came up with that story, just because I was watching Fox News.
0: Wow. Well this lady. Yeah, come back. This <laughs> this is a fascinating read for me. I you know, there's so much baseball in here. And when I was growing up, I loved baseball. I wasn't very good at it, but uh, I loved baseball. And you you put in, you kind of mixed in reality with fiction. And uh,
1: I, I did, yeah. I tried to, I tried to make it so that people that uh, were reading it that like baseball would understand, because I think I put the delayed steal in there, and I put some things, and then I put a, a scenario in the story where uh, Lou Pinella. Uh, asked me uh, what my philosophy was on hitting. And I'm a rookie or I'm not, I shouldn't have said me, but anyway, it it turns out that it was me. (laughs) Uh, uh, What my philosophy was on hitting. And as a a young kid uh, who never played professionally before I I told him and it describes hitting from in my mind to a T. So, uh, then along with the story, there's romance in there. There's a yeah. little uh, science fiction. Yeah. And uh, the story has a lot of truth. And like you said, a little fiction in there too. So I enjoyed doing it. In fact, I was working on a, on a uh, murder mystery that's almost done. I'm not going to try to sell it right away because I'm, <laughs> I don't want to think people are going to think I'm going to come out with a book every two weeks to try to sell them. So um, I got into this one. Just on a a whim, spur of the moment thing, and I started liking it so well. And then Alita made the fatal mistake of saying, I really liked your story. That was it. I went ahead and finished it, and it's done.
0: Well, that's great. Now, if somebody wants to buy your books, how would would they go about doing that? Well,
1: they would call me. I would go to the post office after they mailed me a check. And I would send it right out to them.
0: Okay, so you <laughs> if, if they
1: want to if they want to take my number down, it's area code seven eight five six three three six eight three seven, and the book is fifteen. And with the envelope, the container it comes in, and the postage, it comes to like four fifty or something like that. So twenty dollars we'll to get the book, we'll get it delivered to you. Uh, and I had a great time with it. And the, the feedback I've gotten, even from the women, the feedback has been good. The the girls like it, too.
0: Well, I, th- I thought it was a fun read. And so I congratulate you on it. Kenny, I just I just want to tell you how uh, grateful I am that you would spend so much time visiting with us today. It's been so enjoyable. And uh, I consider our friendship something pretty precious. So I, I do appreciate you being with us um and i hope we stay friends for a long long time
1: i do too and we especially will if you'll send that 500 you promised me for doing this
0: <laughs> you're gonna be waiting a long time buddy
1: <laughs> i know the mail doesn't come very fast when the bricks out that's right
0: <laughs> oh give my love to Alita and you all, all take good.
1: care Connie, I, okay i will thanks kenny right. see ya bye bye